believe we've got a great word. So turn with me, if you will, to Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. We've been talking the last several weeks on expectation. <clears throat> expectation and recognition and acknowledgement, all these words that we've been looking at over the last several uh, weeks because we want to begin to understand this, this meeting that God wants to have with his people. You've got to understand, God wants to meet with us. God wants to commune with us. God wants to hang out with us. Okay, I believe God wants to hang out with us more than we want to hang out with him sometimes. You know, we always think and look, religion has destroyed us because religion makes us seem like we're chasing after something that doesn't really want us as bad as we want it. And if it will let us in, if it will uh, uh, let us have that type of communion and relationship. But God is a person that's striving for us just as much as we are for him, if not more. And so when we're talking about recognizing God in our lives, he's showing up all the time. It's just a matter of are we recognizing it? Are we seeing it? You know, we started off with the passage, you know, if, you're, if your eye is bad, the whole body is bad because the eye is what sees. And if I don't see something for what it is, then I can't understand what I'm really looking at. And therefore, I have no expectation of what it can give me. And many times we go through life and we see things, but we don't really See things. And Jesus talked about it. He said they have eyes to see, but they do not perceive, they do not understand. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. And he said, look, man, you know, there are prophets. There are people that have gone on before you that have desired to see the stuff that you're seeing today. The Messiah was with them. Jesus, the Word of God, the Son of God, in the flesh, dwelling among them. And even John chapter 1 tells us that the light was there among them and they didn't even see it, didn't even comprehend, didn't understand. And what we don't understand, we can't fully acknowledge. What we don't understand, we don't fully grasp in our lives. So I hope over the last several weeks what we've said and and some of the principles that we've laid out have uh, ministered to you. Um, I kind of want to wrap up today uh, with a fruitful visitation because I believe this, that if God is visiting us and if God is dwelling among us on a regular basis, I believe that our, that our lives will reflect that. I believe that we can reflect the grace of God. We can reflect the glory of God. You know, Paul said the, the, the hope of glory which is in you. But I know that what's in us should be reflected on the outside of us. It should surround our lives. We, we should look differently, and I believe that we will look different when we begin to comprehend what's really taking place in our lives. Look at this in Exodus chapter 33, and I want to start with verse 15. And then we're going to take this over to the New Testament in a minute and, and kind of look at the other side of this. But in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, Moses is in a conversation, a visitation with God. And in verse 15... He said to him, Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Now, his heart's cry right here on the outset of this thing is, if you're not with us, I don't want to be where you're not. (laughs) I don't want to dwell where you're not hanging out. If you're not going there, I'm not going there. If you don't want a part of that, then I don't want a part of that. This is his cry here. 
And so he's saying, if you're calling us to leave, but you're not coming with us, don't ask us to go. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Verse 16, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? We shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Look what he's saying here. He's saying it will be recognized by those that we come into contact with that you are with us. Our lives will look so different that when we come up on the Canaanites and the Hivites, the Jebusites, because remember, they're thinking promised land. Moses is thinking, you're taking us somewhere. When we come up on these people, these Philistines, that don't acknowledge you, that live lives uh, of worshiping other, go- uh, other gods and, and doing things that you've told them not to do. But when they see us, if you're with us, we will reflect that in our nature. We will look different. And we will be separate. Verse 17, so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said in verse 18, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will be and I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand and I will, while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back and my face shall not be seen. So God has an encounter. God has a visitation with Moses. And if you skip on over to chapter 34, Exodus chapter 34, Moses has this conversation, has this visitation. Forty days and forty nights he has this contact with God. And in verse 29, it says, Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returning to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, Whatever he had commanded, and whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I believe that God desires to make himself known just as much as we want to know him if not more. 
I believe that we need to get rid of this picture, get rid of this mental image that we're trying to chase after a God that doesn't want anything to do with us or that thinks we have to be of certain value or of certain credit. You've got to understand, when you come into the kingdom of God, you have received all the value you need to God. The Bible says that he has transferred us, conveyed us from darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. The Bible tells me that I have been made, have been made, past tense, have been made, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, which means when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. Because I am in Jesus. I'm hidden with him. The Bible tells me that my life has been hidden with Christ. The Bible tells me it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Okay, so the, the this image of I've got to do something or I've got to get this right or I've got to get this thing taken care of or uh, uh, or I have to uh, be of certain value. to You are worth as much to God today as you will ever be because he sees you as he sees Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have to take care of stuff in this flesh realm. In the world, we've got to shut things down. But to God, you can't be any more righteous today than you were the day you got saved. Righteousness is a position. Now, holiness is an action. Holiness follows righteousness. I am righteous. That's a being. That's who I am. That's a position I'm in. Now, the Bible tells me to be holy. Be holy as I am holy, God says. Now, God wouldn't tell us to do something that we couldn't do. God wouldn't give us a command that we just could not fulfill. So if he says, be holy as I am holy, it's possible. It's possible to shun this world. It's possible to go through the process of cutting and pruning things out of our lives. Why? So I can reflect his life in me. And so based upon this visitation that Moses has... He naturally has a reflection of hanging out with God. There's a natural presence. His face is shining like the sun. That the people are afraid to even look at him. Afraid to even be in his presence. Like, whoa, man, where have you been? What have you done? You've been with somebody. Isn't that what they said of the disciples in the book of Acts? These men, these are untrained men. They're undeveloped. They're uneducated. But yet, these men have been with Jesus. Who we're with should change who we are. In fact, let me put it this way. Who you're with will change who you are. Who you hang out with, who you spend time with, you become a habit of your environment. You you become a product of your environment. and, and, And you begin to reflect that which you're around. And Moses is producing a reflection naturally from spending 40 days and 40 nights with God on a mountain, receiving commands and receiving direct uh, uh, guidance from God himself. And then he even asked God, let me see your glory. Show me your glory. And God says, well, I can't show you my face, but I will pass by you. And because of that encounter, 
He comes down from a place different than the way he went up. You know, you hear me say that a lot. You can leave this place different than the way you came. Why? Because you've been around something. Well, look, you can leave places differently than you came, but it might not always be good. You might walk into a, a certain job and get around certain uh, uh, co-workers and be one way and then walk away and be different, saying stuff that you would have never said before and, and respond in ways. Why? Because you let that rub off on you. We've got to be so careful. But the same goes with God. If we can get around God, I believe that we can look different. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 8. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and the beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Notice here that knowing God and being known by God won't just change who we are. It'll change what we do. He says, how can you go from hanging out and spending time with God and knowing God and and God getting to know you and then still want to go back to the mess you were in before? Still want to hang on to the world and, and the bondage? You know, I believe that there are things that bind us that we want out of our lives. And here's the bondage, is we just live strapped in this uh, bondage, chained up to the fact that we can't let this thing go. That right there in and of itself. Sometimes we're bound to things that we don't want to be bound to. Now, sometimes we're bound by things that we enjoy. You may enjoy, you know, spending countless hours in front of the TV but not realize that that's bondage to you. It's, It's holding you back from something. But then there's those bondages that we want to be freed from. And the bondage is in and of itself, I can't let this thing go. And there's a burden in that. There's a weight in that. And Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said, let cast off every sin and weight that easily besets you, easily gets you off track, easily. It's not even hard. It easily keeps you from achieving and going after the purpose that God has for your life. So he says here, how, after you have known God, after you are known by God, is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Next chapter over. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. By which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Living in the, living in the Spirit, living in, in, in a lifestyle of knowing God, recognizing God as we've been talking the last several weeks, it will free you from bondage and chains and things that have been holding you back. It's impossible to live bound when you know God. It's impossible to live bound by things when you recognize God's working in your life 
in so many different ways. We talked in one message just several weeks ago about how sometimes we miss the simple because we're looking for the spectacular. We miss the small moments where God is intervening in our lives. And we call it luck and good fortune when we're looking for the great miracle and we miss the small thing that God's doing. And I'll just let you know, there is no small thing that God is doing. That's one thing that Pastor Earl ingrained in us in in St. Augustine, and we've been saying the same thing here for, for three years. This is not a small church. This is a beginning church because there's nothing that God does that is small. We're the ones that identify big and small. God doesn't split that up. See, we have big problems and small problems, and God doesn't see big problems and small problems. I said it a few weeks ago. That's why he picked a mustard seed and said, if you have faith like that, it'll move a mountain. Because it doesn't matter. The size of it doesn't matter. The mountain is as small as the seed, and the seed is as great as the mountain in his eyes. We're the ones that distinguish and itemize and prioritize problems in our lives. And then we prioritize miracles in our lives. So God wants to move in our lives so many different ways, and we miss it because we're looking for one thing. But when you live a life that's recognizing God moving in every moment, every situation, every circumstance, there's freedom. You don't go back to bondage. You don't go back to being bound. You don't go back to being chained up. There's a freedom in that. There's a reflection. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5. Skip on down to verse 16. Verse 1, he said, stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And then we get on down to verse 16, and he says, I say then, walk, that word can be translated live, in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Many of us have been looking for that solution right there. There are lusts of the flesh that we fulfill on a daily basis that we know we need to let go. We know we need to put down. And his answer is, live in the Spirit. And this is what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. Living in the Spirit. Getting to a place in our lives where we are just, the the, the Spirit realm is just as recognizable to us as this natural realm is to our flesh. As easy it is for me to look around my life naturally and point things out. It ought to be that simple to recognize and live according to the Spirit. And so he says, walk or live in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Get yourself to where you recognize the Spirit of God moving in your life and you will not give yourself to the flesh. That's the answer. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. What does that mean? That means you're not doing it because someone said to do it. You're doing it because you want to do it. I live in the spirit, not because a book tells me I'm supposed to live in the spirit. I live in the spirit. I'm not under the law. I am freed because this is the life I have chosen to give myself to. This is the the opportunities and the moments 
and the situations that I choose to identify God working in my life. Live in the Spirit. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And boy, do we know that today. (laughs) The works of the flesh are evident. See, I, I want us to get to a point where we identify, we acknowledge that our life is evidence of what we're putting in. Our life is evidence of what we're around. And he gives the list, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. We have a word for that. It's called a temper. (laughs) Selfish ambitions. Just living life for yourself. Just living a materialistic life. How can I please myself? How does this benefit me? Selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Heresies. Envy. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelries. And the like. So if he didn't cover it in all that stuff, then he goes, and the like. It says that covers all the rest of the junk that we see. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things, practice such things. That means it's a habit. I'm practicing. I'm doing this repeatedly in choosing to. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But watch this. But the fruit. Now, he uses a different word here. Because... When he talked about the flesh, he said evident. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. But now he uses a different word, fruit. Well, what is fruit? Fruit is evidence. Fruit helps me identify something. When you see fruit on a tree, that is what tells you what kind of tree it is. What the tree bears, what the tree gives, what the tree... Uh, uh, produces, identifies what kind of tree that is. And you can't have an apple tree that bears oranges. You can't have uh, an orange tree that bears apples. It doesn't happen. Why? Because it's only going to produce what's been placed inside of it. So the fruit of the Spirit, that means that which is produced from the Spirit, not the flesh. Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, if we live in opportunities where we recognize God's working in our lives on a daily basis, then let's produce evidence of living that type of life. Hanging out with God, spending time with God, and being, in, uh, being aware, recognizing what God does it will put you in a position where it is identifiable you've been with someone. You've been with someone. 
We need to live lives that reflect the glory of God. As a co-worker, we need to reflect the glory of God. As an employee or an employer, we need to reflect the glory of God. As a husband or a wife, we need to reflect the glory of God. As a son or a daughter, we need to reflect the glory of God. As a church member, we need to reflect the glory of God. And this comes as we begin to recognize, as we begin to identify the workings of God in our lives. We said this from the very first service. This is what got us started. Recognition breeds expectation. Recognition breeds expectation. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. When people start to recognize you living in the Spirit, they will have an expectation for your life that's different. See, when you're always talking about God and and the great things that God is doing at work, they're going to come find you one day when their lives are falling apart and they have nothing to live for and and they've gotten the report from the doctor or their spouse has decided to leave them or their children are messed up and crazy and doing stupid stuff, they have nowhere to turn, guess where they're going to go? They're going to go to where they've recognized something before. And they're going to come to you with an expectation. Hey, last week you were talking about how you were starting to have some symptoms, but you just prayed and and you said God healed you or something like that. Well, I, I, I've been having some stuff going on in my body. You, can you pray with me? All of a sudden, there's an expectation that's different. There's an expectation. Why? Because they recognize something about you. They recognize this guy does not live the same way I live. This person... This woman doesn't come in here complaining and griping about everybody around them. They, they just seem happy all the time. They just seem to love life. And she's always saying, well, I give it to God. What, what does that mean? Can I give my stuff to God? Expectation. Because of a recognition on your life. I believe that if we can live a life where we recognize God moving in our lives, People will recognize our lives. They will recognize that God is moving in our lives. You'll come down from the mountain and your face will be glowing and they'll know there's something different about you. And the actions, the evidence, the fruit will line up with the lifestyle of I've been spending time with God. I've been spending time with my king. I've been spending time. I've been in his presence, but I haven't just been in his presence for me. I've been in his presence, so now I can take on the stuff in the world, and it's not going to hold me in bondage. I'm not going to go back to it. I'm not going to be tied down. I'm not going to be bound. No, I'm going to be free because Christ has set me free. Christ has brought liberty to my life, and now because I'm free, I can help unchain you. Now because I'm free, I can help make you free. Now that I'm free, I can show you how to get loose. Amen. It's amazing how if we would just take time to spend time with God, 
If we would just take time out of our day to just stop and recognize, and that's what I've been trying to get across this whole time, is simplify life. I mean, when you're sitting in traffic or somebody has just cut you off, you fail to recognize God's beauty around you. It's amazing how we, and, and, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself because it's so easy just to look at negative. If there's one negative thing going on and a hundred positive, we look at the one negative. Now, you've got to critique, you've got to look at, you've got to identify, but it's where's your focus at? Where's our attention at? Yeah, I have to do this because I can be a critical person because I'm very detailed. I'm uh, detail oriented. I'm, I'm uh, you know, if I'm not careful, I can micromanage things to the T. And I've just had to learn to let things go. It's just me. It's just my personality. But I've had to learn to let things go and just begin to recognize the small, simple things. And not get myself in a position of critiquing all the negative, but notice all the positive. Recognize God working. Just stop, as it sounds ridiculous, especially to us guys. We're thinking, I ain't doing that. Stop and look at a flower. (laughs) Simple as that. Simple as that. Because if you would look at that flower, your problem would seem so small that God could do that. That God could do that. God could put that thing together the way it works, the way that it operates. And he said, look, man, if I've closed, if I've closed the flower, how much more do I want to take care of you? Do not worry. Do not worry. Let's just look at that. Matthew chapter 6. You don't have it uh, in the... Slides, but you can just go ahead and go there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew six twenty-five. I didn't have this planned out, but let's just look. I think, it, I, I think that there's some, some freedom that needs to be lifted in this place tonight. I think that there's some freedom that can come if we'll just take some time to stop looking at all the stuff that's binding us, that's holding us back. That's why he said, how could you come out of spending time with God, who you've come to know and he's come to know you, and you want to go back to that? What's he saying? You won't want to. If you truly know him, you won't want to go back. Matthew six twenty five. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? I've tried, it didn't work. <laughs> So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, 
tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Is that not what accumulates most of man's mentality on this earth? I don't remember it off the top of my head, but someone once said that there are five things that all of mankind searches for and is concerned. Food, uh, what am I going to drink, what am I going to eat, what am I going to wear, a roof over my head. Um, I think another one was a job or how am I going to... Every single person on the face of the planet has those thoughts. And Jesus is addressing these and says, if you will just go after me, you will have all of that. Let's keep going. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, why does he say Gentiles here? Gentiles is a picture of those that were not in covenant with God. Now, obviously, we know that God opened up the covenant and has invited all to partake in his covenant. But at this time, when Jesus showed up, he had not gone to the cross. Jews were God's people, period. That is who Jesus came. He didn't come for the Gentiles. The church went out. The Peters and the Johns and the Matthews and the Pauls, they went out. And Paul eventually writes, in the kingdom of God, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no slave, there's no free. We're all the same. But here he's identifying there should be a difference in what you seek after from what the world seeks after. What we go after, what we identify, what we accumulate with our time and our minds should be different. That's what the Gentiles seek. But look at verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I believe that this message, if we fully grasp everything that we've received, not just tonight, but even in the the past several weeks, recognizing God. Some of us, our expectation of what God can do in our lives has been hampered because we haven't recognized Him. And look, when you don't expect God to do it, guess what we do? I'll take care of it. I'll do it. There's a man in the Old Testament named Abraham. And he had a visitation from the Lord himself. He had a visitation from God himself. Jesus came, showed up, had a couple other angels with him, and said, this time next year, you will have a son. Abraham didn't qualify for a son. Physically speaking, naturally speaking, couldn't happen. Not only were they beyond the years of bearing children, she was barren, his wife Sarah. Looking like a bleak moment. And God has just given a direction. But sometimes there's time that takes place from the time God gives a promise before he gives the provision. And in that time is where we have to stand. In that time is where he says, don't be of little faith. 
Why is faith necessary? Because faith produces your expectation. As long as I can have faith, I can expect. But when my faith wanes, when my faith gets dry, when my faith gets weak, we don't talk about this a lot with Abraham because he's the father of faith. But he had a weak moment. And when time began to pass, five years, ten years, fifteen years, when time began to pass and we don't see the answer to the promise, we begin to think in our minds, how can I take care of this? This is a man that literally had a visitation with God himself, but maybe for the lack of recognizing something, lost an expectation. And he said, well, I can fix this. Told his wife, I can fix this. But no, God had a plan to fix it himself. Because what God promises, he's faithful to perform. See, God's made some promises to some people in this room. And there's some faith that's beginning to wane. There's an expectation. I want to encourage you tonight. You need to get back to where you recognize your God. You need to get back to where you recognize Him moving in your lives. You need to get back to the point where you reflect back on what He has done, what He was faithful to perform in your life before, and He will do it again. He will see you through the promise will surely come to pass. We've got to recognize God. And I promise you that if you can recognize God and get yourself to a position where you recognize Him moving in your life, you'll have an expectation. You'll wake up the next morning excited because you're expecting. You know, if someone says, if someone calls and says, hey, I, I, I put this check in the mail for you. It's coming. I mean, there's not a lot of doubt there. And you go to the mailbox with expectation. And just, as, just because it's not there the next day, you don't get all worried. I thought they said they sent it. They didn't send it. No, we wait patiently before the Lord with an expectation. Because I know this person. I know that if they said they sent it, they sent it. Amen. If we can recognize, if we can get ourselves to a position where we recognize God moving, it will breed an expectation in your life and you will begin to move yourself to the position where you expect Him to show up. In fact, you get so convinced that you'll be surprised if it doesn't happen. (laughs) That's faith. I'll be surprised if it doesn't take place. So we gotta we gotta quit being surprised when God does what He says He's gonna do. We gotta quit, you know, acting like, wow, I, I wasn't sure if it was gonna happen, man, but He He did it. No, we've got to get ourselves. I knew it was coming. That's natural. I'm not saying don't be thankful and don't have a heart of gratitude. I'm saying put yourself in a posture that when He shows up, you knew because your faith was so substantiated on His word that He was gonna come through. I hope that sets somebody free tonight. I hope that there's some deliverance that takes place tonight and that we don't go back, but we find ourselves in positions to get acquainted with God and to recognize God when he moves and not go back to bondage, not go back to the things that hold us down. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. 
Thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for the promises, the blessings that you have made to us, Father. And Father, even though through time maybe we haven't quite seen everything come to pass exactly the way we know that you said and the way that you promised it would, Father, we stand firm on your word. We remain faithful to you because you are faithful to us. Help us recognize those moments, the small and the great. Help us recognize, Father. Help us develop our expectation of what you can and will and want to do in our lives. Father, we know that you're great. We know that you're awesome. We know that you're mighty. But be mighty in our lives. Be mighty in our marriages. Be mighty in our homes. Be mighty in our jobs. Be mighty in our finances. Be mighty in our bodies. Father, we take our time to recognize you. We take time to get ourselves in expectation of all that you want to do in our lives. And we thank you that you want to know us. We thank you that you're a God, that you have drawn us near to you. You've drawn us back close to you. You've drawn us back to your kingdom. You've drawn us back to your presence. And we can know you. We can know you like we've never known you. We can know you like you've promised we can know you. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.